Welcome to the Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kuttner, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast will help you find ways to live healthier, happier, and more inspired. I so appreciate you being here, and I hope you like this episode. So today on the podcast, I have Claudia Miller. She is a career coach who empowers women to shift their mindsets and grow in terms of their salary and career. Claudia, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So I actually just want to start with your why for this work. Like what made you get into this and how you got started? Yeah, so I started in this path really uh, for myself. I consider myself to be a very ambitious person. You know, I did well in school. I did the internships. I tried to get as much experience, volunteered, graduated from college, and I had no job offers. Mm. And my friend at the time wrote my resume, and she was not a professional resume writer. So I think that's even another reason why I wasn't getting any interviews um, but one. And I ended up taking the job and I wasn't getting paid as much. It wasn't something I was even interested in. Mm. And that's when I realized that even getting good grades and getting that internship just wasn't going to be enough. I needed yeah. to change my strategy in order to get to where I wanted to be. And through that, I started investing in myself. So working with career coaches, resume writers, reading books, buying courses, reaching out to people. Anytime I saw a business insider, you know, sometimes they'll display like how they hit six figures by the age of 25. (laughs) So I reached out to them and I talked to them and I said, please, you know, let me know. I'm interested. I read your article. I'm interested in like, how can I do that for myself? And I started networking, really getting to understand from people who already had been doing it. And finally put that into action. And I was able to get a $30,000 salary increase and get a new job in a new industry. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. And then I did it again. <laughs> so I wanted to see like, well, my friends actually started you know, reaching out to me like, how did you do that? Like, can you help me? And I helped them and they were able to get the same results. I actually had a friend that I helped. And by the time she was 25, she was already making six figures. And that's because I showed her how to negotiate her salary, even like while she was in college. Mm-hmm. So I went and tested it out. Does this work across various industries? What about different stages of their career? Someone early, mid, and late career, and the results were the the same. Everyone was getting salary increases. They were getting jobs. And now as I've been doing it for six, seven plus years at this point, um, I'm able to really help clients get jobs within 90 days while getting salary increases. Awesome. So I have a couple questions for you just based on that. So what do you feel like is the secret sauce to really help your clients with getting the job they want and negotiating their salaries? I know that's kind of a two-part answer, but tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's really pulling yourself out of the situation. So what I mean by that is when people are looking for a new job, they usually, you know, at that point, they're frustrated. They're either they didn't get the promotion they were looking for. They got passed up or they found out a coworker is also making more than them, even though that they're doing the same job mm-hmm. or they're just feeling frustrated and burned out at that point. So it's like almost at a desperation where, you know, maybe you go and refresh your resume. Then you go on job boards and then starting applying to jobs and then like crossing your fingers, hopefully that somebody calls you for an interview. And if they don't call back, you just 
apply to more companies. And then if that doesn't work out, you just apply to more. So really pulling yourself back and understanding like, what exactly am I trying to do here? Mm. Where am I trying to go? How are most people applying and how do I stand out? And then once you pull yourself away from it, that's how I'm able to help clients. And it's easier for me too, because I can see when your perspective or your situation, I can pull back and say, Hey, Rachel, by the way, did you know you're doing a job of two, three people? Mm. And by the way, just quick research. If you were going to the same role at a different company, you'd be making 30,000. Yeah. I also know how to do the research. I know what the resources and tools and what to look for. So really to accelerate your job search, I like to use this methodology for everything. So whether it's personal life or business, is pull yourself away from the situation. What are you trying to achieve? Get a clear plan, be intentional. So that same amount of time where someone is applying to 300 jobs, maybe getting one or two interviews, my clients are spending a fraction of that time and having you know five to 10 interviews. Um, and some of them don't even apply to some of the jobs. Like they just network all of a sudden. They're like, you know what, Rachel, I think you'd be a great um, at a company or I don't have the position available yet. It'll be posted next week or two. Why don't you send me your resume? And then- you know, I'm starting to introduce you to the team and we can start the interview process. And once it's available, then I'll send you the link so you can apply. And that's how it works. And you're not spending your time and your weekends and your nights applying to endless amount of jobs out there that probably won't even see your resume or the resume won't even see the light of day. Yeah, that's so true. There's so many resumes that just sit there and they never get looked at. So I love all those tips. I especially love that you said like get intentional and I also love that you shine some light on like the power of networking and doing your research too, like knowing your worth, knowing what other companies are offering, because then at least like when you go to your employer and you ask for that raise, you have something to back up your request with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I guess one of the biggest things that came to mind was that people have fear about asking their boss for that extra money or explaining to their boss that they do a million jobs more than they should. So how do you coach your clients to get over the fear of talking to their employer and really be confident in asking for that raise? Yeah. A lot with job search and salary has to do with mindset and confidence. Mm -hmm. So it's really understanding, you know, when clients like the situation you told me, you know, Hey, I'm trying to ask my boss for a raise. Like I'm scared. I don't even know what to ask. I don't even know how we should even start this conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really try to go deep into like that understanding, like, what are you really afraid of? There's like, are you afraid they're going to come off as greedy, that they're just going to say no and reject you? Um, They might also think that it's rude or unprofessional, that I should just be happy that I have a job, especially with everything happening right now. There's people unemployed. How am I to be asking for more money? Mm. So it's really understanding that mindset Or some people might think, hey, I need to pay my dues, or I need to be doing this job longer, or I don't have a master's degree, I don't have that certification. And, you know, there's a long laundry list that everything that you need to do or accomplish, and then you can ask for your salary increase. And that's not the situation. Um, You know, one of the things with salary negotiation is one, understanding like your research, but also documenting it. Mm. Most of the time, your bosses or who you report to won't know everything that you do, especially after a 12 month span. Usually at companies, you get your year in review and you yourself probably remember what you did maybe like one or two months ago, maybe three months. Your boss probably knows a fraction might remember what you did in the past two, three weeks. 
let alone everything you've been doing for like the past nine, 10 months just gets like, it just, you get to race. It just isn't top of mind. So like preparing for the year in review to request that salary increase, it really takes preparation. And most people think that if you wanted to negotiate your salary, you just go in kind of like ask your boss to have a conversation, ask for more money. That is not how you do it. And again, that's what most people do. The goal is to get the increase. How do you get a salary increase? You have to show the value. How do I show the value? Then I need to have proof or examples and research. So how do you get that information? It's always easier if you do it upfront. So let's just say if you're starting a new job or you start today, or maybe your year in review just passed, start documenting every project that you've worked on. And if it's like projects or type of work that you do, start assessing it like, what, what are you currently doing? Why is this important? Why is this happening now as opposed to three months from now or, or three months ago? And having that understanding, like, what is the process? What did you end up doing? And what is the overall project looking like? And did you come across obstacles or challenges? What was the result? And how would you do things differently if you were to do this project again? And again, you start, you know, documenting this throughout like the 12 months. And all of a sudden, you've already created a portfolio at that point. So when it comes to year in review, you look at everything you've done the past 12 months and then assess. And you can say, hey, by the way, um, during these past 12 months, or I wanted to speak about my year in review, here are some of the things that you know I've come across. And these have been my biggest achievements. Um, these were actually really great learning experiences. But I'm confident that if I were to get a project like this again, I know exactly what to anticipate, how to prepare for it, and make sure that we complete this within budget and on time. So then all of a sudden, you're almost reminding them everything that you do, your value, your positioning it. And then, of course, you also want to let them know that, you know, based on your research and everything you looked at, because of the work that you've done, you're now looking for a salary increase of X, Y, and Z. Now, it is helpful when you tell them in advance, so that way they can start moving the wheel and saying, like, how much more they can increase. Now, I'll admit, it's a lot harder to negotiate your salary for the same role that you're currently at within the same company. It's not impossible, but it, you can do it. Now, the easiest way is to go to another company and then negotiate. The best way to negotiate is when you're job searching and getting that job offer. That's the prime moment that you can negotiate or if you're going to another department. If it's for the same job, and especially you've been doing that job for more than three years, you should be looking at the next level up because you're after three years or so, you tend to stagnate and you want to challenge yourself and that way you stay competitive in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. I love a couple of things that you said there. I love that you peeled back the layers of fear. Like what are the layers of fear that you're actually experiencing? And then I also love that you talked about like the shame and guilt that people have, because I think that's really true, especially when the pandemic hit and a lot of people were losing their jobs. I think there's an overwhelming amount of people that just felt shame and guilt about asking for more because they were lucky to have a job. So I love how you talked about like reframing some of that shame and guilt and then another thing that I was thinking was, when is the appropriate time? I know you mentioned like the year end, but is there also other times that may be a little bit better? Obviously, when you're job searching, that's a great one. Is there anything else you'd like to add with that? Yeah. So, I mean, you can do this, like, let's just say you're your year in past and you're like, you realize coworkers are getting paid more than I am. And we have, we do the same level of work. It's still pulling up that information so that way you can build a business case around it. And then afterwards, I would always say, never make it personal. Don't say, well, I need to make this much money because Rachel is making this much money. Mm. And then they can say, do you think you work as much as Rachel? Oh, did you know Rachel has this degree? Did you know Rachel has a certification? And all of a sudden you lose power with that negotiation. 
Yeah. So you never want to make it personal or I work really hard. It's like, yeah, that's, we expect that from all our employees. Of course, you're going to work hard. So (laughs) the best way to negotiate is building a business case around it. So like I said, showing your achievements, maybe if you have some upcoming projects or type of work that you're doing and then saying, Hey, you know, I looked at the market research and what the market is paying and uh, for a competitive pay, let's just say you're making 50,000. I wanted to discuss about salary for this level of work. And based on my achievements that I've been doing these past 12 months and, you know, being able to complete A, B, and C, especially with on time and budget, even though we've come across a lot of challenges. uh, One of the things that, you know, I wanted to make sure is that I, you know, I get a competitive pay and based on what the market shows, you know, I'm looking for a salary around 60 to 65,000. Is there any way we can close that gap? Yeah. And then just stay quiet. Let them figure it out. Now, if they were to say, you know what, um, the company hasn't been doing so well, or, you know, we're under COVID, we're in a pandemic. And at the moment, we just don't have the funds. We even have a hiring freeze. We're not hiring anyone. And then you can come back and say, no, thank you. I definitely understand the situation. Um, however, I have been working in this world for the past two years. And, you know, since, uh, since starting, you know, I have uh, had additional experience but also I noticed that I am being underpaid or I'm looking for that pay that's within competitive within the industry itself. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can both come to a number and I'm negotiable on that number. If they were to come back and say, all right, well, how about we just give you like a $5,000 bonus or all right, how about we just give you a promotion and increase that pay along with it? That's another form of doing it. But again, like it, it's all about like how you position, you want to make sure you're prepared you want to let them know like, Hey, by the way, Bob, you know, Bob is your manager. Hey, Bob, just want to let you know, I wanted to set a time in our calendars for one hour. I wanted to discuss some of like the projects that I've worked on these past five months or since the year in review time. So like in the past five to six months, as well as discuss compensation, I look forward to meeting with you and I'll, I'll have like, just so you can get them time to get prepared. And if you've been doing a really great job and you're a, a great employee, then they're going to start figuring out like, okay, well, like compensation, then let me see what the budget looks like. How much more can I increase? And then being able to have that conversation because you don't want to throw them off guard because they're going to say, well, let me see, let me get back to you. And then they're going to like try to extend it as much as yeah. they can. Yeah. I love that you're continuing to get organized and also like know your worth for sure. I also think it's really good to be brave with these situations because the worst thing that could happen is they say no, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's like challenging yourself to just ask the questions, even if you're scared or even if the answer may be no, you just have to be brave enough to do the work and, and bring it up. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I always recommend is let's just say they say no, like, sorry, we can't for whatever reason you have a choice. So as a candidate, as an employee, Mm. you have to decide, okay, they say no, then what do you just stay at that job? Maybe you want to, or maybe you want to go to the same job and go to another company. The worst thing I can have somebody do is they get say no to, and then they complain about the job. They won't give me a raise. They won't give me a promotion. You know, I have to do so much work of two to three people. The list goes on. And then you're just, you're just simmering in that misery but not doing anything about it. Yeah. And it really has to do with like, you do have an option. And I like to tell people, cause it is mental and it is about confidence. Like you do have the option. If they say no, that's fine. And then just start your job search. Start looking at somewhere else that will pay you what you're worth at. 
You know, if you want to move, get a promotion, give yourself a promotion. If your boss won't give it to you, not every boss is going to be the perfect boss and mm -hmm. not everyone is a great manager. So don't rely on your career growth on somebody else. Like don't, if your boss won't promote you, start promoting yourself. Where can yeah. you work at? What are those jobs out there that will get you to where you want to be? Uh, but yeah, just don't deep and don't stew on that misery and saying like, they won't do this, they won't do that. But yet you have not started job searching and you're not doing anything about it. Yeah, I love the empowerment piece. And I also love the mindset shifts that you're talking about. I think, first of all, when you're able to like gather all of your research and what you've done for the company, that gives you the ability to reflect on how good of an employee you are. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, like, hey, I actually work my butt off and I'm definitely capable of more money or more responsibilities. It just gives people that reflection time, which I think a lot of people don't take the time to do because most people are just like getting through their jobs, working their hours they're supposed to. They also have kids or other things on their plate. So I think that's really important and powerful. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about building your dream career, like how you help your clients with building that. Maybe I think because the last episode I did with Emily was on finding out like a different career for yourself. What do you have to say about people that are still kind of looking for answers to build their dream career? Yeah. If you're not sure exactly like what job you should go into next, maybe you currently hate your job. And I always say, do you hate your job or do you hate where you work at? Right. That, there's a difference. If you have a horrible manager and you're at a company that doesn't set you up for success, doesn't give you the resources, you're overworked and you're understaffed, mm -hmm. it may not be the work. It might just be the company itself. Yeah. Um, but if you were to say, I am an introvert and I, I'm in a sales job and I have to talk to people every single day and get on the phone and get into meetings, I really right. hate it, then you're in the wrong type of job. You're an introvert. Let's figure out a job where you don't have to talk to people every single day, mm -hmm. especially in person. But um, a good strategy to figure out what do you think you would like is doing like a window shopping. So I call it job window shopping. So it's really having an understanding of, I kind of have an idea of where I want to go. So maybe, you know, let's just say you're, you're in sales, but you hate selling. So like, what else can I do? Like, okay, well, I actually enjoy um, like the project management that goes you know, for the selling. Okay. So maybe do you want to become a project manager or look at jobs that have a factor of project management into it. And then you can look up project managers on LinkedIn. And then at the bottom, it would say similar roles to this. And that gives you now you're, you're able to start your job search and say like, okay, what is, what does this look like? Now, when you're looking at job descriptions, if you fit 30 to 40% of the qualification, you're qualified, apply, or, or at least reach out to someone in that role and say, Hey, by the way, I noticed you're a program manager at this company. I'm actually interested and I want to learn more about what does a program manager do? I currently am in sales, but I'm looking to make a change. Like, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Do you talk to people every single day? No? Great. Okay, because I consider myself to be an introvert and I'm, I am good at it or I'm okay at it, but I prefer not to have so much you know, daily interaction. I'd rather be on my own and really focus on the data of it. So get a better understanding of that and then say like, okay, does it, pay what I want to get paid. If it doesn't, don't even bother looking at it. Two, does it feel like the lifestyle? If you hate traveling and then it's a job that travels all the time, you're going to end up hating it. No matter how much they're paying you, in two to three months, you're going to get burned out, hate it. And it doesn't work your lifestyle. It's just not going to work. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, not even going that route, but really pulling yourself back again, understanding like, you know, is this something I would like? Does this fit what I want in my next job? And then if you fit 30, 40% of the job description, great. Because most of the time, job descriptions and I've actually, my clients, like I have executives, um, senior directors, directors, and even managers. And um, when they're searching, you, they kind of put themselves in the employee mentality of like, I need to fit everything in the job description. But when I ask them as a manager, they're like, oh yeah, we have like templates up for these job postings. So we post it and there's no changes made. And actually, I don't even think it's <laughs> up, like it matches what we want them to do. But once uh, I interview them, I customize it and I, you know, tailor the interviews towards that position. And I was like, do you understand what you just said? Like yeah. the same process you're doing as a manager Everyone else is doing. So when you're applying to jobs, don't, it's not the Holy grail. It's not like the Bible where you need to follow everything. It's just 20, 30%. And then if that fits and it sounds like something you'd be interested in, go talk to someone that does that role and then get um, some of your questions and concerns clarified. And now you have a list of potential jobs. Yeah. That's such a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) The job isn't actually the job description. I'm like, so why? (laughs) Well, man, yeah. um, that's awesome. I love, you know, helping people to build their dream careers and also, you know, recommending that they get to know themselves a little bit more. That's so important in the process. So I love that you said that too. I actually am curious if you have like some case studies of people either like asking for salary increases or getting to their dream careers or anyone that you've worked with that you really love like sharing about. Yeah. Um, so one client, um, she's probably like my all-star client that I worked with. She was in architecture. So she mm-hmm. graduated with architecture. She started doing that. And then she actually did like some teaching mm-hmm. and was finishing school to become a data scientist. Mm-hmm. Those are two separate <laughs> industries. Sure. Yeah. And then beforehand, she was getting paid like around, you know, 70 to 80,000. So once she graduated with her master's in data science, um, that's when she reached out to me for resume writing. So I helped her write her resume. And afterwards, you know, I always say like, if you have questions about your career, feel free to reach out to me. And she's like, Hey, by the way, Claudia, um, once I got your resume, like I started getting interviews and, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I got a job and I'm getting paid 92,000 and I'm so excited for that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like you're actually being underpaid. Like you should be looking at like 140, 150 minimum. She's like, no, no, no. I'm just grateful. I'm happy. I was making 80. I got 92. Like, thank you so much. So I was like, no, but I think we should get on a call again because I, there's a huge discrepancy here. She's like, no, I'm fine. Thank you. And I didn't really hear anything again. A year later, she reached out to me and said, Claudia, you're right. Um, can we get on a call? Because I hate my job. And I found out most of the peers or people that I'm working with are making 40 to $50,000 more than I am. Hmm. And you were right. I was being grossly underpaid. She was just grateful. Like at that moment, she was out of desperation. She was just grateful. She had a job offer. She took it. She was worked to the bone because it wasn't consulting. And she was being paid $40,000 to $50,000 less. Plus, she still had those student loans coming in from her master's degree. So yes. once we started working, she actually got a job as a lead and got a salary offer of 150000 now, because she has also a great resume, um, LinkedIn profile, she has companies like Google reaching out to her for job opportunities. And now, like now that we work together and she's prepped, she says, unless I'm looking for a salary for now, 180. So if it's nothing less like that at the current time, I'm, I'm not interested. So Google came back and said, okay, we actually have a job that pays around what you're looking for. 
can we get on a call and have a conversation? And then now she's going through the interview process, but she never applied to Google. She never reached out to them. They reached out to her and she was quick and firm. Like if it's less than 180, I am no longer interested. Right. Because she knows she's not going to leave her current role to make a lateral move. Like even though it's Google, Google, you can always come back and work Google. If you say no to Google, it's not like you're like blacklisted or anything. <laughs> but that's a perfect case of like, she didn't feel confident. And now that she's in her role at a great company, she's like, Claudia, I feel confident. I'm participating more. I She even started like a training so she can train other people within like the company itself. Aww. And started like a lunch and learn series. And so now she's positioning herself as a leader and she loves it. And she's getting paid like almost fifty, sixty thousand dollars more than she was before. And she still has time to have a life. She's not being worked to the bone. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So I, there's so much here. It's like also, you know, the conversation on money is important because, like you said, you know, money supports your lifestyle and it it ultimately does support your happiness. Like money isn't something you could trade for happiness, but it does help you have a lifestyle that will make you happy. So I also think, especially for women, this conversation on money is super important because, you know, women don't make as much as men. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, women tend to have like a lot of emotions when it comes to asking for more or showing up bigger or, you know, really standing their ground. So how do you work with your women clients on all of that? Yeah, it's, um, understanding of what do they want. So when I start with clients, especially with career coaching clients, I start with parameters. Let's focus first. What is it you want in an ideal world? How much do you want to make? Okay. So you're, you've been in a sole contributor role for seven, eight years and you want to break into that management role and you just haven't been able to understand you next door should be a manager. Oh, and you're looking to make around finally break into the six figures, a hundred K got it. And you, these are your you know, primary industries. So then all of a sudden, we already have good information that it helps us stay focused. One of the things that I've seen that people tend to slip back into is, let's just say you're currently an executive, uh, like um, an admin person. And you're like, I'm, I don't want to be admin. I just either graduated from college. I want to become into like project management or move into project management or maybe marketing and sales. But I always find myself, you know, getting admin jobs. So one of the things that I look at is, okay, what kind of jobs are you applying to? Oh, I'm applying to admin jobs. Interesting. You don't want an admin job, but you keep applying to admin jobs. Mm. How much are these, some of these salaries? Let's just say they're making around 50, 60,000, but they, they will love to make a hundred K, but that's like best case scenario. And I ask them executive assistant jobs that pay really well, like they can pay six figures. And I'll ask them like, how much of the salaries that you're applying to? Now pull them on LinkedIn. I'm like, it says that they're paying between 50 to 60. It's very aligned to how much you're making right now. People tend to stay comfortable with around the salary range they make. So if they're making 50, maybe they'll look at jobs that make 55, if that, you know? And if they're pushing it, maybe 58. And that's why they get those results. I can help you get 30 to 50K salary increases. I already know you're being underpaid based on the research. That's impossible. I can't, no, I don't even believe that. Maybe I can get like $10,000. But because of that mindset and the mentality, they only find those jobs. I always like to use the analogy of it's like asking for or looking for a Chanel bag at a dollar store. (laughs) You're going to end up with a dollar store bag. Why? Because you keep going to the dollar store to buy a bag, but you expect Chanel. It's just not going to happen. My question, my thing is go to the Chanel store and you will find Chanel bags. 
So in that case is what, if you want that lifestyle, let's only focus on the jobs that fit it. If they don't, we don't even bother looking at it because it's not within what we're looking for. And that's why parameters are very important because it helps you stay grounded and focused because as job search, as the time goes, your confidence tends to drop. You start getting into your own head. I'm not good enough. Who am I to think that I can make that much? That's impossible. You know, I already make more than in my family or maybe I'm the first college graduate. Like I should just be lucky. Like I'm fine. Like I don't need to be there. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want money changing me. It's not about the money. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So I always say like, to like kind of to your point, money isn't everything, but it does provide options. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy and my motto is an empowered home is a safe home. Mm-hmm. So how can, how can we empower you? How can we make sure that you get those resources? If you're going to be doing the same job, why not get paid $30,000, $40,000 more? Your peers are making more. The men in your company are making more. Why should you have to take a 30, 40K salary cut? Because, you know, you feel like it might change or you might come on as greedy. So it's really understanding like that mindset, uncovering it and then reframing it, saying you, you're not looking at, you don't seem as greedy. Actually, when you negotiate, when you classify yourself and if you do it the right way as a top performer. Because if you can negotiate for yourself, then I can trust you negotiating in behalf of the company. If you can't even negotiate for yourself, I'm like, is this person even confident? I probably wouldn't even feel comfortable with them in front of clients. And if they're already in front of clients, like I still don't trust them in their negotiation skills. They didn't even negotiate for themselves. Are they probably not even ready for the next job up because they just don't have these competency skills. And when you negotiate, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, we always say like you get what you pay for. So ask for more and then they're going to value you more. It's yeah. all about branding. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think if you come to a manager and you've done a whole portfolio and you've done your research, you look like a amazing employee. Like not everyone is doing that. It makes you stand out. I loved the dollar store analogy. I thought that was really funny. It's like, well, you actually should be looking at what you, what you want and you should mm-hmm. visualize that and you should give yourself the time and space to really figure out what you want and not just retreat back to these jobs you think you can do. So I love that too. I think a lot of people get stuck there. So a good way to know, like, well, Claudia, like how, even if I negotiate my salary, like my boss is not going to give me 10, 15,000. And then I always hear a story of, I asked for a raise, my company, my boss said, no, I got a job offer. And all of a sudden they found the money. Like how much do we need to pay Mm -hmm. you? Especially if you're a great employee. Like I even had this personally, my clients, like how much do we need to pay you? And my client that I told you, my star client that she was getting paid 92. Once she told them her salary, they're like, we'd be happy to match it. Yeah. All of a sudden you're happy to match it. But a year I've been doing this job for a year, getting underpaid $50,000, nothing. But now all of a sudden I'm leaving. I have a new job offer. And all of a sudden this money that I've been asking for pops out of nowhere or that job title you've been asking for. So it's there. Like, yeah. it, it's not like there's a limited, re- if you're, especially if you're a great employee, they're not going to want to let you go. They're going to say like, well, what can we do to keep you? You know, how much do we need to pay you? We'll, we'll give you the job. Job. We'll have it done by tomorrow. But yet again, you've probably been asking for this for, for years now at some point, uh, but it's there. So don't feel like they're going to say no, or that they're going to react in a negative way. That's not the case. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. A couple things came to mind. Are there certain scenarios where this works best? Like what if you work for a startup? Do you find that this happens 
better in certain environments? Like when, when does your coaching and your planning with your clients work the best, I guess? Obviously if you're a teacher, it's very hard, especially within like, um, like where I'm at, like Chicago public schools, like if it's a state, it's city, right. And it's hard to negotiate your salary. Cause they have a grid this many years this is how much you get paid. Right. Um, like that can be a little bit hard to navigate and negotiate. Um, and then even non nonprofits, you just have to get creative. Sometimes they're yeah. not big nonprofits. Then they might not be able to match your salary, but then you can negotiate benefits. They, you can say like, hey, you know, I'm actually looking to start for my master's and I'm looking for an $80,000 salary increase, but you're offering me 60. Is there any way we can close that gap? You know, one uh, proposal that I have is I am looking to go back to school. So um, if I'm able to get a tuition reimbursement, that would be very helpful. And organizations and businesses can use that as a tax write-off. So why not? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. So there's other areas that you can negotiate. One thing is like they get to benefit from you getting that certification because you get to use it within the uh, company organization. Sure. And two, they get to keep you. And then you're happy because you didn't have to pay a $10,000 certification out of pocket. Yeah. So those are just, you just have to get creative. But um, all the other companies and organizations or hospitals, associations, uh, there's room to negotiate. And I always tell people, sometimes a toilet paper budget is more than what you're asking for. A $10,000 increase. They're like, Oh, light bulbs. We spent 15, $20,000 on that right. toilet paper. So it's all in our head and it's a quick five, maybe 10 minute conversation. Obviously if it's a year in Rio, it'd probably be like an hour, but that one hour can get you a $10,000 salary increase, or you can just wait and get one or 2% salary raises and it'll take you five, six years to get that. Or you can get it right there on the spot. Yep. But again, perfect ideal scenario is when you're applying and they extend the job offer that's when you want to negotiate because you know that for the next three to five years, you're in that role. You're only going to get like one or 2% salary increases. Yeah. I love your whole motto of getting creative. I thought that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So one last question. So what about resumes? Like what do you tell your clients when they're trying to rewrite their resumes? Do you recommend people writing their resumes to job descriptions or how do you help them really emphasize their skills on their resumes? Yeah. Well, first I make sure that they need a resume rewrite. So I always look at the data. So if I have a client saying, Hey, I need a resume because I do resume writing. Hey, I need uh, to refresh it up my resume. Okay. Um, have you ever started applying? Yes. How many jobs have you applied to? Oh, I mean, I've had clients say I've applied to about hundred jobs and I've been job searching for like the past five, six months. Okay. How many interviews have you had? Oh, I've had about two, three interviews. Okay, you do need help with your resume. The data is right there. You apply to 100 jobs, only three interviews. That doesn't match. That means that your resume is either not getting seen or standing out or is getting stuck in a computer black hole. Right. And then, like, I don't even need to look at the resume. The data just tells me. Now, if they were to say, I applied to 10 jobs and I've had six interviews, you don't need help with your resume. Unless you're getting interviews for jobs you don't want. You're like, oh, I keep getting reached out for, like, a supervisor role, but I'm trying to be a manager and, but you also keep applying to supervisor jobs, then there could be something else going on. But if you're applying to jobs you want and you're getting very little interviews, then that tells me you need help with your resume. Now, one of the things that when writing resumes, it's really an art and science because it needs to speak to three different types of people. And when I say people, that's in quotations because the first one is the computer system. 
computer system scans your resume, looks for keywords. The more keywords you have, the higher score you get. And it's a right. score between zero and 100. 100 mean you're like the perfect match. Once you get a score, as more candidates start applying, they rank you from like the top candidate to the bottom candidate. And there's an average of right now because of COVID, there's an average of four to 600 applicants for every job posting. This does not include fast growing companies like Google or Amazon or Facebook because they get anywhere between 1,200 to 2,000 applications. Right. So it ranks you. And then based off of that, they'll pull like the top 15, 20 resumes. If you are not able to connect the dots on why you're a good fit for the role, your resume gets tossed out. If your resume is very cliche and like responsible for, has managed you know, a team of five, like that's very passive and cliche. It's very generic. I mean, like just reading it, you're like, oh yeah, your yeah. resume gets tossed out. So that pile of 20 now becomes five or six. Those people get called for interviews and the process begins. So think about it. Like, how can I get past a computer system? And there's tools out there that people can use. There's one called jobscan.co. And it's like, it uses artificial intelligence. So it tries to mimic the ATS system. So you can paste your resume, paste the job description. It scans it and it'll say, Rachel, you have 15 out of these 25 skills here, the 10 you're missing. And if you have those skills, add them to your resume. Then the next one is like making sure your resume is being understood by someone who doesn't know what you're doing or your experience. Because the HR person is a generalist and they're hiring for admin, marketing, sales, technical, uh, custodian. I mean, everything in between. So they are not subject matter experts. Their goal is to facilitate the hiring process, bring in candidates, and then you know they send them to the hiring manager. So you want to make sure that your resume is being, is it able to be understood by someone who has no experience. Right. So good sign or exercise is just give it to your friend who doesn't isn't isn't in the similar um, industry or your partner and say like what do you think and then right. they're like oh yeah no it's, it's good mm-hmm. that means that your resume is not good <laughs> <laughs> or you can say like do you have an idea of what i do or what you know has been something that you were impressed by mm, sort of okay then you need to go back to the drawing board and rewrite your resume or hire a professional resume writer um, and then the last one is the hiring manager because they are the subject matter expert. You still need to be able to convey that you are good in your industry. That's where the, that's where the art comes in because I'm like, you have to get past computer system. You have to talk. Your resume has to speak to someone who has no experience. But yeah, you're supposed to impress a person that is a subject matter expert. So there, there's a finesse to it, but that could be a great activity for you to do or to assess whether you have a good resume or not. Yeah, Absolutely. Awesome. So I just want you to drop all your info. Um, where can everyone find you? I know you have a podcast too. So let me know all of that. Yeah. So my podcast is called Roadmap to the Executive Suite. And there is where I, sh- I share more career strategy, more career advice. And I even bring in recruiters to the show uh, and ask them like, hey, tell us about your process and h- what makes a candidate stand out. And for my website, it's ClaudetteMiller.com. So T as in Tom, ClaudetteMiller.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I loved having you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rachel. And I hope your listeners found this information helpful. Yeah, it was great. Hey friends. Thanks for checking out this episode of the solutions podcast. For more episodes, just like this, be sure to subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.